co-host Shelton. It's Dainer and Jay. All right, welcome to the walkout. Paul Yner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you, and we plan on doing a terrible job and this being an awful, almost unlistenable podcast so that it can match the game that we just watched at Paul Brown Stadium between two bad teams uh, doing a terrible job uh, at playing football. <laughs> it just feels right right now. And I feel like we're off to a good start. Jay, right? I am still in the press box and I am still awake. And if there was a time today, was I wasn't sure that was going to be the case. I, I wasn't sure I was going to make it till the end of the game. It was just so scintillating that <laughs> I, I was looking for a pillow. I really felt the play that defined this game was really there was it was all on the line. The Giants with the chance to put it away on third down in their own end, and. The Bengals just leave a dude running free out of the backfield in the easiest little rollout you've ever seen from Colt McCoy, wide open to Wayne Gallman for what looks like the game-clinching completion, only to be called back by their own holding on their own end for the Giants to set the Bengals up for a chance to come down and score. It was just like, that's sort of the game. It's like teams just out-mistaking each other as much as possible and then it ending in uh, yet another mistake, being a sack fumble uh, by Brandon Allen. Uh, near midfield when the Bengals, you know, were set up. Alex Erickson was going to play hero. He was going to be hero. Nearly longest punt run and more punt return in more than two years. He gets it to the 50. He's a shoestring tackle away from breaking it. And even then first and 10 at the 50, a little less than a minute to go. And you just feel, you've just felt there was one of three ways that game was going to end a turnover, a sack, or a missed field goal, and it was <laughs> it was a turnover sack. You know, you could check down your way to at least a field goal attempt at that point, even with no timeouts, and for it to go that way, it's just, it's, you know. Here's the thing, and here's what I want to talk about, because I don't want to break down this game. Brandon Allen's going to be the quarterback again next week and for the foreseeable future, if that does anything for you or if anybody cares. To me... This game was defined by two things. The absence of Joe Burrow and the irrelevancy of it all. It just it felt absent and irrelevant and pointless. And I think the organization that leaned so hard into Joe Burrow that the the staff and team that bought so hard in and leaned so hard into Joe Burrow. I think today you see this is what this is what the the other side of that feels like. Because when that's not there and you have all your eggs in one basket, this is what it feels like with egg on your face. And it's hard because I, it goes back to the questions we were asking last week, and I still find myself wrestling with this week. How do we judge this? How do we judge? A team that's not good playing a te- another team that's not bad finding another way that that is bad finding a way to lose and doing it with Brandon Allen at quarterback and I mean the the expectations are a certain thing here you know it's not making excuses but at the same point it is and I, I find myself wrestling like how are we supposed to how are we really supposed to judge this? It's a good question because even 
I mean, even if you say they're down nine, it looks like they're dead in the water and they make this comeback and get in position. I mean, the Giants really gifted them that comeback. You mentioned the penalty on third down that took away the game clinching first down. The, the Bengals get their only touchdown drive of the game thanks to a roughing the passer call and a, and a pass interference call in the end zone. They they didn't do anything all day. I, I They're facing Colt McCoy, for God's sakes. And the defense did play decent. They had a, a couple characteristic bake breakdowns, 55-yard or a 53-yard pass, a, another long one, both to Evan Ingram. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how you judge it because, I mean, how long have we been talking about they're right there? One possession game, two-point game, a play away. I mean, at some point, even with a backup quarterback, that doesn't matter. The Giants had a backup quarterback. The Giants had almost the same record. They came in. They won on the road. There's, I, I don't know how you judge it. The, the one thing, I mean, what today came down to me is I just, I was stunned where at some point you would think that the philosophy pivots and they, they threw Brandon Allen in and said, we're going to do what we do. And they, they absolutely just abandoned the run game. I mean, Giovanni Bernard had a 15 yard run as long as to the year. Um, they said, Samaj P. Ryan has run the ball pretty well. The last two weeks, not a single carry today. I mean, if you you would think if any day this was the day to maybe line up in 12 personnel more than the six times they did and try to run the ball and take some of that pressure off Brandon Allen. And it was, it was just there, there was there was no adjusting to philosophy. It was just we're going to do what we do. And we saw that's what they got. They they tried to fit a square Brandon Allen into a round hole left by Joe Burrow and it did not work at all. No, it didn't. I mean, you get you get a kickoff return for a touchdown <laughs> and you get a turnover to set yourself. I mean, you get you get some of the things that win games from the other sides of the ball, but the offense is so putrid trying to figure out what to do that it you know, you're you need miracles, gifts at the end to, to even be in it. And there's there's a there's an interesting parallel that I'll make here. And it, it I'm sitting here waiting to record this podcast tonight and watch the end of San Francisco, LA. And Kyle Shanahan with the most injured team in history and Nick Mullins a quarterback is out here beating the Rams in LA. Um you know, the, the, no one has had more injuries and no one has more reason to make excuses than Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan took a team to the Super Bowl last year and there's a certain buy-in and effort and everything that you get out of that. Kyle Shanahan was also 10 and 22 his first 2 years with a minus 145 point differential those two seasons, trying to get San Francisco on track. I'll say all of that. But I also say at a certain point, like at a certain point, it just doesn't matter who you're lining up out there. At a certain point, you're responsible for the product. And the product is the wins and losses. And now you're staring. I mean, this team is on a bullet train to 2-13-1. Coming off a of 2-14. and 14. I mean, 
I don't know what you, I don't know how, I just don't know how we get past that. And I, I don't, I, I don't know how anybody gets past that. And it's just like you have games like today and you feel irrelevant regardless of what happened with injury and regardless of everything. It's just, and playing hard and the tide's going to turn and we're all going to look back at this little, you know, the same quotes you hear afterwards. Man, it's just hard to even listen to them anymore because it's been the same, at a certain point, like they just stack up too long. And you never want to feel like you were, hasty or knee jerk and went in too soon it's like if San Francisco would have fired Kyle Shanahan right and I'm not saying these are on the same two levels but I'm just since I'm talking about this analogy here you know would they have you know is that is that the were you were you too knee jerk and you didn't have enough patience to let it play itself out but at a certain point or were you just like look like you got a hard time with 422 and one no matter what the situation and and that's that's you know, I think that's where it's at right now. Is it's the only it's the only question really left with this season because it's just string playing. Is is what does it matter? Is the are the losses just too many at this point, even for the most patient ownership group in sports? Days like today don't help that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it, nobody knows the answer to that except Mike Brown, and he's not talking. I you wonder. I mean, what what will it take? How many wins in the final five to to at least erase that chance that they move on? I still don't think they will. We saw we saw how long they stuck with Marvin, but he was established. He came in and in they hadn't won in forever, and he went eight and eight back to back seasons. This he is immediately different. gave him something to believe in. Exactly. This is this is not the same thing, and there's gonna be other candidates out there. And you got a franchise quarterback. You would say it's going to be hard to get a good coach in here if if you're coming off four wins in two years. But if you got Joe Burrow, guys are going to want to come here and coach. So it's I don't know. I, I would like to see what the betting because every every week Bavada or Bet Online they send out these updated odds, and it's always um, next coach to be fired. And Zach Taylor is never on that list anywhere. And that's surprising, um, but I I think maybe we're going to start seeing him pop up on that list because it's just you can't overlook it. It they they feel like they're close, and they they feel like they're going in the right direction, even though the wins aren't there. But at some point, you got to win a game or two to to convince ownership, con- to convince the fan base more than anything that that it is going to turn around and it just it feels like groundhog day even though they find different ways to lose every week it still feels like the same thing over and over and over again go ahead and uh toss another one possession loss on top of the dumpster fire while you're at it too (laughs) with a losing time field goal by the way uh <laughs> Even that had gotten, but they had they had la- three of the last four weeks they had not allowed a score in the final two weeks of two minutes of the first half, and then they they did it again today. Took the lead ten to seven. It's like you get a stop, you got a lead at halftime with a backup quarterback. You're getting the ball first in the second in the second half. Maybe today's the day, and no, they give up the field goal at the end of the half. It's tied, and really do nothing in the second half until that till that uh, kind of a gifted drive from the Giants' penalties. Let's take a quick timeout here. 
All right, Jay, I'm going to do something that you would appreciate. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go down a list of <laughs> Bengals fans are going to drive off the road. Hopefully they're home by now. <laughs> Whenever you're listening to this, just, you know, again, you're, you're the bottle that you finished last week, hopefully you replenished and you're just having one drink out of it this week instead of the whole bottle and you're not tossing it. Uh, here's the list of worst winning percentage of head coaches with at least 25 games coached. So minimum 25 games winning percentage. Uh, Zach Taylor is eighth on that list. So, hey, you had that going for you. And this isn't like starts to a career or anything. It's just total resume for your winning percentage. You have to have, but the minimum is 25 games. Harvey Johnson. Did you cover Harvey Johnson back in 1968, Jay, with Buffalo Bills? <laughs> Two-year-old me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two twenty three and one for Harvey Johnson for a point oh eight oh, rough, rough run for Harvey in Buffalo. Um, I'll keep going down the list here. Uh, Phil Handler, he was four and thirty four for a point one oh five back in the back in nineteen forty three. Do you want to know who Phil Handler was the coach of? The Brooklyn Robins. <laughs> the Chicago Cardinals and then the Chicago Pittsburgh Cardinals Steelers. So it was like a it was like a transitional time. It was wartime as well. So a lot, a lot going on there with Phil Handler. He had a, he had a, he had a, also had a, a bit of a rough go uh at it. Okay, so once we get past that one, then we find 1966 to 1968, the legendary Norb Hecker. Norb Hecker was 4.26 and one for a point one three three. Then we keep Norb Hecker from was with an Atlanta Falcons legend. I don't know if he's in their Ring of Honor. He's from Berea, Ohio. In case you're wondering. So we keep going down. Then Chris Palmer from the expansion Browns was five and twenty-seven. Marty Morningweg, who did not have a good, he's shown up on some of our lists when we've compiled some bad starts lists. He, he was remember. one of the ones that started zero and eleven. He was there was that whatever that group was when when uh, Zach started zero and eleven last year. Marty yeah. was on that. Yeah, Marty was there. He's there. Five and twenty-seven in thirty-two games. Not a not a good run for him. Uh, then we get into the trio of My, Mike Nixon, Rod Dowhauer, and your Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, look, none of these are good. None of these are good. And this, but this is this is just the point. This is the territory you're in, and you know, but. Do you do it? I mean, look, the Lions, right? They fire Matt Patricia and they they get rid of Quinn Trisha, I believe. Our guy Chris Burke was calling him <laughs> up there. The GM GM coach combo in year three, and just there's just sort of. I mean, there is there is the thought that for the most part you're ushering in a rebuild. You're trying. You give them the third. You give three years. You should give three years, right? 
and then you start to then you really get the chance to to really fully see it. But how bad do the first two have to go to not give the third year? You end up in the same position that the Lions are, where you can just say, "Man, if they just would have seen what they saw the first two years and not given them the third, they could have saved themselves a year of." you know, rebuild and looking for new coaches and all that other stuff and not gone through this year and put themselves, you know, you set your organization back a little bit if you just don't see the writing on the wall. And I'm not saying this is, I'm saying, you know, there's, there's that thought there, there is the thought of, you know, these things are, you got to give three. Um, but you don't have to, um, and how much is too much? And how and how many of these excuses are justified? And how much do you build? Do you look at what they were becoming before Burrow got hurt and say that's who we are going to judge them off what they are? Which isn't good. I mean, which also isn't good. That's true. <laughs> but but the, but you know, did seem to be figuring some things out. But there, even though there were issues. Yeah, I th- I think you always have to look at at history, even though they're they're trying to change things. I think you still have to look at history when you're ever you're talking about this organization and it would be out of character no matter how badly these last five go for them to, to part ways with, with a coach after just two years, but it's not out of the question. And are you ready for this? I mean, think about, I don't know if this has ever happened, but we could be talking about this team. If they keep Zach coaching in the senior bowl again next year, because mm-hmm. It's always the two teams with the worst record with returning staffs. And you got to figure the Jets are probably moving on from Adam Gase and uh, maybe the uh, pride the Jags are moving on from Doug Marone. So get ready for another beautiful January in Mobile. I mean, who knows what that'll look like? Exactly. I mean, that, I mean we know that it will, you know, we'll see what all the senior bowl is going to look like. A lot of that stuff has been canceled. Um, you know, the Mobile people, I mean, that, down there have seemed to be all in on trying to make that happen for the sake of, you know, the scouts and GMs and player personnel guys are dying to get closer looks at people because they just can't. So it'll be really interesting to see how all that gets handled and what it looks like for the NFL and for the senior bowl and everything else. All right, before we move on, let's take one quick break. Look, I mean, you get into you get to start getting into Dave Shula territory. I mean, you you talk about five and eleven, three and thirteen, three and thirteen, seven and nine, one and six. I mean, that's seventy one games. Okay, <laughs> that and that's with us. You know, five, eleven, three and thirteen, three and thirteen. Start. So you you talk about history and judging history. I mean, that's the the ultimate example. And and again. This is not me the same way it wasn't me comparing Zach Taylor to Kyle Shanahan. It's not me comparing to Dave Shula. We're looking at history. We're talking about this concept of how much time do you give. And and I think those are two relevant examples that probably would be used when slash if Zach Taylor's staff comes back, right, is where we would point to. Of look the the history here and the hope that he can be the one to put it together in that third year with that most importantly the healthy quarterback. I I, I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> it just yeah it it doesn't 
it, it doesn't make sense looking at it in in a total NFL window that you would keep him. But it, again, in that the, the Shula hiring, that was Mike's first go round. You know, he had just taken over after after Paul Brown had passed, and it, Mike or Dave Shula was his first hire. So you can kind of see him sticking longer there. But I mean, he's he's getting up there in age. He, I mean, if they're going to win one, it's got to happen soon. And you wonder if if that patience, if that factors into the equation and, and the patience starts getting a little thinner. Um, I really, I don't know what to expect. I, I, I guess a lot depends on these last five games, but the question is, should it? Exactly. I I don't know. We've got more time to dive into this. Unfortunately, we have five more weeks of this crap uh, that we're going to have to hang out through. And, you know, Bengals fans, of course, not only are they maybe if they're not apathetic, they're just they're rooting for losses again. We're going to be here doing this again for the second year in a row as they hope to get the left tackle of the future, um, which you wrote about. If people want to go and read that and a reminder, all of our content um is up it on the site and you have the Black Friday deal going on. If you go to the podcast link, our Black Friday deal, which is incredible, one dollar per month for the next 12 months. We just people going crazy giving it away basically. Uh, if you want to give a gift, whatever, you get the athletic for a year, 12 total dollars for the year. One dollar a month. Go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling. Go to that link and you can get it um, through Friday, through this Friday. So you can read all of our content as we go into the offseason through the draft and free agency and whatever comes next. Um, It's all up there um, now. Um, So we go forward. Uh, Bengals lose. And next week they will go to Miami uh, before coming welcoming Andy Dalton back to town against Dallas. Um, And then you've got a couple. you got some Pittsburgh. you got some Baltimore. Throwing like Houston. Houston, who's looking pretty good now. Uh, you know, again, you start looking at this seemed like the game where it was like, well, you're going to win one. And then Colt McCoy for some of it. This would seem to be the one. Uh, it was not. And now you just start thinking about what comes next and where this thing ends. And we will do that with you. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Looking forward, we'll be, of course, be back with Hear That Podcast Growling on Tuesday. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.